Well, hello. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Craig, just in case uh, you didn't pick up. Um, I'm one of, I guess, one of the, the leaders here, one of the, the pastors, if I can, we don't usually use that language here, but uh, I guess, in a sense, there's that, that I get to serve you in that way. Um, and I've been on holiday. I've been, someone asked me about my tan. Um, I've been up to Scotland. So as you can see, it's not quite as brown as I would have liked to have been, but never mind. I think I got more windburn than anything, because it was so, so, uh, so windy. And uh, yeah, so I'm here today to talk to you about giving. Oh, wow. Brilliant. No, no, there's no other way I'd want to end my holiday than to talk about financial giving. No, I'm only, I'm only joking. Penny's right. The English have a very interesting relationship with money, don't we? Um, but I, I, here's my take on it. I think, I think... Be wary of a church where they never talk about money to you, because I think there's something that's going on there. I think either they're far too comfortable, or they never just give it a thought, or maybe they're just too frightened to think, oh, we've got to broach this somehow. I'd be very, very wary. Um, I would say that actually maybe a church that never talks about money, actually, in some weird way, money has a hold over a lot of those people. And we don't talk about this every week to such an extent. I mean... Penny really took one for the team there before, talking about in depth. We don't do that every week, but we think it's so important, isn't it, to be transparent about where our money, where your money goes to. And hopefully you've got a bit of a better understanding now where your generous giving goes. As I say, we won't go into such depth every week, but obviously we wanted you to find out a little bit about where that goes um, and have some more details. So today is the the last week talking about... um, specifically about giving generously. And I'm going to be talking about... Um, I'm going to be actually going to be talking about four women. Okay? Only one of which is my wife. So don't tell her. She's here. Um, four women. Okay? When I was about 12 years old and the hormones suddenly started kicking in... I don't know if that... Is that later or am I earlier? I don't know. I was a teenager. Nearly a teenager. Teenager. And um, my, my first crush, can anybody remember your first crush? Put your hand up if you can. Don't tell me who it was. Okay. Oh, actually, I'm going to talk about five. I just, actually, yes. I had, a, I had a celebrity crush, okay, from about seven. My very first celebrity crush was, was Kylie Minogue from Locomotion and I Should Be So Lucky era. Okay, that, that dates me a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Kylie Minogue, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, won't go, won't go there. Um, but my very first crush at school was a was a girl called Charlotte Maddox. Oh, she had blonde hair, she had blue eyes. She was fab, and um, and I thought, um, I thought one way in which I can maybe try and sort of. Um, I don't know, rope her in, is that the right, probably not the right, the right word, but you know, just trying to sort of pique her interest and think, this guy is okay, is um, my birthday was, is five days before Valentine's Day, and I thought, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use some of my birthday money to try and, I guess, affect, I didn't think this at the time, but effectively buy her affection. So I, I got this money, and I went to H. Samuel, and I bought, I think I spent about 20, for, for like an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, okay, I spent 20 pounds on a I think it was gold-plated. Um, 
It looked gold. It was yellow. Uh, little, little bracelet. I bought her a fluffy bunny. I bought the biggest bar of chocolate you could get. I think uh, Dairy Milk were doing those kilogram bars at the time. Um, and I, I wrote her, you know, an absolutely saccharine, sickly sweet card. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. Let's get it together. I love you. Um, and um, and I, present, I, presented this, I presented this to her in, of course, in the most romantic of fashion, in a, in a Tesco value plastic carrier bag. So she had it all and I gave it to her. I was too shy to go up to her. So I gave it to her friend, to, uh, Teresa, and uh, Teresa gave it to, to Charlotte. And of course, I waited around the corner just to see what the answer would be. And... Uh, I'd like to know what you thought, but I'm not going to do a straw poll. Uh, Teresa came round the corner, and it was really matter-of-fact, really. She was like, Craig, you know the answer's no, don't you? A bit more than that, please. Yeah, exactly. I was absolutely heartbroken. I thought, I've spent £20 of my money here on this girl, and she can't even say yes to me. It never happened. It never worked out with Charlotte. I thought, well, there you go. There you go. So, um, so that, that's Charlotte. Um, but it's really interesting, isn't it? It's the interesting what went through my mind that actually I thought that buying her these things would somehow, would somehow win her affection. Now, I don't know about what goes on in your life. I don't know whether, you know, you've, you've used money to try and buy the affections of someone else. But we all have these things, don't we, that, that money is tied into. I used a quote a couple of weeks ago from this guy called James Smith, Jamie Smith. And he says this, he says, we are orientated not just simply by our thoughts, by the things that we think about, but by our longings. What are the things that you long for in life? Maybe it is to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I don't know. Maybe it is to spend £20 or plus, plus, £20 plus on someone. Maybe it is for that new car. Maybe it is for that job. Maybe it is, um, I don't know. It could be all sorts of things. Maybe it is for status. Maybe it is for popularity. But we're all orientated. If you take a good long look at your life, the trends over the season of your life these past few weeks months, even years, you'll, you'll know, don't you, that there are things deep within here that I absolutely long for, my heart longs for. And he says, we get pulled. We get pulled into a way of life because these things have a strong, you feel like almost magnetic pull on us, like gravity. And they, these things have got the power to shape us, not by convincing the intellect, but by allure I love using that word. It never, never gets old. Allure. What are the things that allure you today? What are the things that you know actually that maybe not God, that actually that, that pull you in? That if you're, you're not careful, you can get pulled in. What are the things that actually that pull you in financially? Maybe some of the subscriptions that you give to. Maybe I just can't help but get that daily or weekly scratch card because I think one day, one day, Lord, it's going to be me. I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the jackpot. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's cigarettes. Maybe it's other things that you think, actually, I can't live without them. There's no, there's no judgment here on, on these things. 
But what are those things that you think, actually, I spend an awful lot of my money on this? Maybe it's cups of coffee. Maybe, actually, you just can't resist every, every week. I've got to go to that coffee shop for a couple of times a week. And uh, that, that's, that's just what I do. I don't give a second glance for that. And again, I'm not saying any of these things are bad in themselves. But you'll notice that, won't you? If you think about your life, there are things that I just don't even blink. For me, it's books. I'm at that kind of borderline edge of obsession with books. I make the excuse, no, books are good for me to kind of, you know, you get, hopefully you get better sermons when I, I read a lot more. You get brilliant quotes, like, you know, that brilliant quote from Jamie K. A. Smith. But there's this thing about, there's a bit of an obsession sometimes with books for me. Just the smell. And, and I'm not talking about Kindles, by the way. This, an actual book. Do you remember those days where you could get an actual physical book and it has glue and print and pages. It's the smell, that smell of that new book. Oh, the hardback cover. just feels really good. And then you stick it on the shelf. Ah, oh, yes. And I need to get another bookshelf soon. Look at that. And that, For me, oh, I've been told we're not going to. But for me, I don't know. There's something about, for me, in my worst moments, it kind of ties up with this idea of, here's a guy who knows some stuff, or here's a guy at least who is well-read. There's something about status and prestige for me that comes with books, and a lot, so much. I would think hundreds, if not thousands, well, I would think thousands, if not tens of thousands of pounds, probably over a number of years now, 15 years on buying books. Again, in themselves, not a bad thing. But if my heart finds itself directed towards these things, that's where there is an issue. Jesus very succinctly sums it up in this little passage. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we can try and maybe sidestep that. Maybe He's talking about time. He's talking about ten- attention. He's talking about the things that we give. Yes, he is. But he is also talking about finances. We, we, we can't get away from that. What do I spend my money on? That will give you an indicator of what's going on in my heart. And again, we're not saying this out of judgment. And I'm not, certainly not saying this out of someone who's got it all correctly and right. I'm someone who, who um, struggles with this, finds this a challenge myself. Where my treasure is, what I put my value in, is where my heart will be also. So what is really your treasure? What pulls your heart strings, so to speak? There's a passage in scripture that I think is going to help us a little bit with this. If you have a Bible, an actual book, we have them here. Um, It'll be on the screen, so don't worry. Um, Page 1056, if you have a Bible, might might find it helpful. Um, From Luke chapter 20, we're going to go from... Verse 45. And this is a point where Jesus is um, in Jerusalem and he's on his way towards the cross. He's on his way towards his execution. And he's talking in the temple. And the temple is, was the central point for Jews. The central worship place, but also place of political power as well. And he says, while all the people were listening Jesus says to his disciples, his apprentices, his followers, those who wanted to be like him, he says, beware of the teachers of the law. These were learned people. These were religious people. These were people who had, um, they would have PhDs coming out of their ears if they were here, there and now. They would, they would teach the Bible. They'd make the Bible teaching their thing. 
And he says, they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Notice the stuff that they're putting their trust and their love and their desires towards. And he goes on, verse 47, they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. They've got, if you like, financial power over widows, over the poor, over the vulnerability, over the vulnerable, over the oppressed. And they're able to use that technical know-how to, if you like, to fleece the vulnerable out of money. And they make a show of lengthy prayers. Here, and he goes on to say, such men, because they were men at the time, will be punished most severely. Their judgment is coming. God is going to put these things to rights. But then he goes on. And as he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So, In the temple, there were places to put your financial gifts or your offerings. It didn't really look like this, but this will, this will have to do. And a priest would be there, or someone in charge, and either you'd be giving your money towards the work of the temple. So a big grand place like that needed a lot of upkeep. So you would give your money towards the service of the temple or you'd give it towards the, the, the priests themselves enabling them to do their job well or you would simply give money as a what we call a free will offering just because I want to give this money to God and, and Jesus was saying that the wealthy people were giving their money putting the rich were putting their gifts into the temple treasury just throwing it in there he also though sees the next slide a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now, doing a little bit of digging in the research, one of these coins was called a lepta, okay? And if you think about our currency, we have pounds and pence. Those of you who remember the day, pounds, shillings and pence, thr- thripney bits and all of that, half a crown. I, I wasn't around in all of that. I don't even know what that would mean, but I'm sure it means something. But yeah, so, so the, of course, the Jews had different currency to us. Um, now, a denarius, a denarii, if you think, um, a denarius was a, way, a, a day's wages, okay? A day's wages. So you do some graft, get a denarius. A lepta, if you like, was one sixty-fourth of a denarius. So one sixty-fourth of a day's wages, okay? And this lady had two. So she had one 32nd, if you like, chopped into bits of a day's wages. She gave, she was poor, and she gave what she had. And so she puts those two coins into the temple treasury. Now, here's what Jesus goes on to say. He says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Let that sink in for a moment. Rich people putting in wads and wads of cash. This poor woman puts in 32nd of a day's wages and she's put in more than all of the others. 
Why? How does that even make sense? Well, Jesus goes on to say, all of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. They had loads of money to spare. Yes, I could give a thousand pounds, but I've got 20 million pounds in the bank, so to speak. I haven't, so to speak. This woman gives proportionately such a great amount. She's a widow. And widows in those days, if you didn't have a a, a husband or children to look after, you were some of the most vulnerable and oppressed people going. She had nothing to her name and yet decides to give her money out of her poverty, putting all she had to live on. By the world's standards, she might have been poor, But in terms of the kingdom and what Jesus is talking about, she was rich. Think about what those coins stood for in her life. Think about what they signified. Think about what she could have bought or what she could have saved with that. Think about what she'd have left over after she gave that. And think about her heart as she joyfully comes and places them in the treasury. This is a this was a vulnerable widow, but the, what the text doesn't say is she was coerced into giving this money. She no, she gave it out of the joy of her heart. What could you? What would you choose to give out of your heart? Not only today, but throughout your life. And first of all, I am talking about time. And I am talking about attention. What are the things that you know, actually, I could so rearrange my life in such a way that actually these are the things that I want to give my life towards. That actually Jesus, I feel, is directing my life towards this instead of that. Now that's costly. But I know, Jesus, that that's what you're calling me to do. And the same goes for finances as well. Jesus, I know that actually there are whole sorts of things that are clamoring for my purse strings. And yet I know that actually you are calling me, like that widow, to give out of what I have. Now what we're not calling you to be is to be poor for Jesus. At at one point does Jesus say, it's great that that woman's poor because she's given in that money. No. Poor poverty is not a thing we want to celebrate here. But what what, what we are saying is that actually, no matter how much, no matter how little you have, there is always an opportunity to give. Now, if you're in a position today where you are in financial debt, we are not saying to you, you must give lots and lots of money. You must give anything, really. If anything, actually, if you find yourself in great financial debt, then there are, there are, if we, let us help you. There are services in this town that actually are there to help break people out of financial debt. But for those of you who do have enough, for those of you who do actually sit here comfortable, maybe today is the day where you think, do you know what? I am, I'm giving out of my richness and I actually want to give a little bit more knowing that actually, as I do so, the power of money has less power over me than my love for Jesus. I've got one more story to share with you about two more women. No, yeah, two more women. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus invites himself round to someone's house. He has a habit of doing that. 
And as he's sitting there with this rich person, a woman comes to him. She has a giant bottle of nard. And I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pass this round to have a little smell. Open up the cup with caution, okay? Have a little smell of what that, that smell is like, okay? Nard, okay? A very expensive, at the time, oil. And she has a giant bottle of it, a big jar, jug of it, and she smashes it at Jesus' feet. She pours it over his feet. She kisses his feet. She wipes it, his feet with her tears. And the whole room, as you go around, you'll be able to smell some of that, that fragrance. I can smell it right now, actually. The whole room is filled with fragrance. Now, to some of those people there, they thought, what an absolute waste of money. She could have used that money for the poor. She could have used that money on other things. And yet she gave it just in one fell swoop to Jesus. And Jesus says to her, he says, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This act which you've committed for me as actually helping you to become more whole. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying that to give money means that Jesus will heal my sins and forgive me? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is this, is that when you and I give generously, unreservedly, devotedly to God, we find ourselves encountering Jesus in a new and fresh way. We find that actually out of my giving, I meet with Jesus. That in some way, that encounter through him makes me feel whole, wholer than I've ever felt before, more healed, more free. I realize that money doesn't have, things don't have a power and a law over me, but I'm free to give as Jesus would have me give. And so finally, the final woman I want to talk to you today about is Gemma, my wife. I promise you I'd talk about my wife. In my best moments, I will bring home a bouquet of flowers for Gemma. And actually, we've got a bouquet currently at the moment, haven't we, which are still going strong. Two weeks later, um, why do I give, why do I spend money on Gemma? Is it because I think it's going to buy me her affection? No. Is it because I think I'm going to be in her good books? Well, sometimes, but no. Is it because I think that if I don't buy her things, I don't give her things, that she's not going to love me anymore? No. It's because Gemma has my heart. I don't give of my time and my money to her because I want her to love me. I give to her out of the thankfulness of my heart because she already loves me. And just in some small way, I want to show her that you have my heart. Making her cry. That's what our giving is all about. Who has your heart? How much of Jesus, how, how much of, of, of Jesus' heart does, does he have? How much of your heart does he have? Are you so captivated by Jesus that today you want to say, yes, I would want to give. And I would want to give regularly. And I would want to devote a portion of my income in this season of life to you, Jesus, because you have my heart. No one here is telling you you must give. 
No one is telling you that that's the only way that you'll get Jesus' approval because you already have his approval. He already loves you. He died on a cross for you because out of his great love for you. But does he have your heart? And if so, then maybe today is the day where you say, I'm going to literally put my money where my mouth is and where my heart is. And I'm I'm just going to show you, Jesus, out of my response of love to you, that you are worth that devotion and that the work of this of your work in this town is worth it so our response today is this i'm going to ask the band to come and just play over us i'm going to just ask you where is your treasure today what or who has your heart been talking about this for two weeks and um, you'll notice on the, t- on the tables that there are standing order forms and these are for regular, regular giving, financial giving. We are so grateful for those who give a plate offering every week. It means so much to us. It's a great resp- re- reflection of your heart to God. But maybe today you think, actually, above, and, above that plate giving, I actually want, as part of my devotion, as part of my worship to Jesus, I'm going to give something regularly. I'm going to give it freely. No one's telling me I have to do this. But today, and maybe because you've been thinking about it over uh, for the past few weeks, you've already got an amount. Um, we're going to have an opportunity to, to fill out those forms for those of you who have come with those details. It's quite a long form, okay? So we're going to have an opportunity, and there will be those of us who will be singing um, this great worship song as response whilst you sit and, and, and fill out the details. If you haven't got any details today, that's okay. There's no one checking at the door whether you've got that or not. Um, but you may, I would encourage you to take that home with you. Um, if you have a partner to talk through with them, what it is you think you may be able to and would like to give. If you are on your own, um, you're in control of your own finances again, then maybe just consider, what could I, what would I like to give? And in so doing, see the work of God's kingdom become even more fruitful in this, not, not in just this place, but beyond this place as well. How can I, that be a reflection of my heart and my devotion Jesus. So what we're going to do is that we're going to sing Living Hope. Those of you who will not be um, filling out their form today, I will be inviting you to stand and to sing with power and great gusto and great response to Jesus. Those of you who are going to have a go at filling out the form, then you don't need to stand, just sit and we're going to take, just take some time to fill out those forms and we'll be giving those back um, at the end um, in, in the baskets. But let me just pray as we enter into this time of worship. It's all worship. Father, we thank you for your devotion to us. We thank you that um, we've got your heart. That actually while we were still in our sin, you died for us. You gave us yourself, the ultimate cost of your life on the cross so that we could be free. And today, Father, we are here in response to that great love and we devote ourselves to you afresh today. We love you so much. So those of us who are going to be singing, we're going to sing with our whole heart. We're going to ask you once more in our singing and through our prayers, Lord, that you come to us in a fresh way, that actually we receive your freedom again. And Lord, for those of us who are able to give 
um, financially and are going to be filling out those forms today, God. We are going to be giving, not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, not because the person at the front told us to, but because you have our hearts, because we are devoted to you. We are devoted to seeing your kingdom come in this place more fully than ever before. We are, con- we are absolutely convicted that through giving financially, more people are going to be healed and restored and forgiven because as, as finances are released, so more mission, more ministry, more opportunities for healing are going to be released as well. So I invite you, my brothers and sisters, come. Come and give to the Lord as you see fit today. Tell him how much he has your heart through your writing of those forms or through your singing today. Let's sing Living Hope.